0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Agency Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All. This is season three, episode five, where we're going to be talking about tracking and return on investment. One of the questions I get repeatedly is, what is the ROI on your services? These are what clients ask us. So you're left with this responsibility of how do you track? What do you track? What's important to the client? What's important to you? So in this episode, we're going to dive into all of those details, but if you're new here and this is your first time listening to the Empowered Agency podcast, I am Kate All, like I said, I've grown my agency over the last eight years to serve hundreds of clients, a team of over 40, and I know what it's like to straddle both the product creation and the agency side, as well as navigate the needs of an ever-growing team. So I like to use this podcast to share my story as well as pieces of wisdom and the stories of students who have gone through my coaching program. My goal for you is to help you multiply yourself and grow your agency so that you can reach your goals, both personal and professional. I really believe there's an agency out there for everyone that comes in all shapes and sizes and serves all different types of audiences. Your agency can be unique and successful just like you. So in season 3 of this podcast, we're diving into all the little pieces and things that no one always no one talks about, right? Things about burnout, systems and processes, trading time for dollars, education, what to do before you launch, return on investment. So I'm hoping that in these episodes you have small aha moments that make your agency just a little bit better. All right. So I'm sure you've heard this before from a client. Tell me what the ROI is on your service. And truthfully, I really used to dread this question. I really was overwhelmed by it. And I had to really dig down deep into why. And I realized that most of the time, the person asking doesn't really know what ROI means to them. Or the number they would attach to their investment in Pinterest. It could be a number they've just heard from other people, but they can't really drill down and say, I need X number of conversions to make X number of dollars to afford your services to see it as an investment. I would say this also applies to anyone doing ads, right? Like those clients that you work with need to be so laser focused on what it is the metric that they're going to benchmark with ROI means. So if a client knows what ROI means to them, it actually removes all the emotion from it and that gut feeling, which allows you really to have an honest conversation with them about what those metrics are. Everybody's clear, no one's in the dark. But if they don't, it's like a moving target. It is that nebulous ROI term. And they just like to throw it out there to say, prove it. I don't feel like it's working. So some examples of ROI for clients might be ad revenue, affiliate revenue, email leads, course sales, coaching calls, new service clients. It could be a lot of different things to them. And so that leaves you with the burden of two things. One, first coaching a client on what ROI is if they have no idea and number two, really drilling down to see what it is is important to them, which that is definitely something you want to bear that burden because you want to know right so this can also be a really fun way to build a long term relationship with a client so I don't want to speak that this whole conversation around roi, which I like to call it the prove it statement, that that is always negative. I do think it can build really long-term client relationships, and it can be a really important part of the conversation that allows to a longer client retention. So first, I want to talk about my experience with tracking, with ROI, how I really got started in really, I guess, me having a discovery of what ROI even was to my own business. So the first time I heard about tracking data was when I hired my business coach in late 2014. He basically looked at my business, which at this time wasn't really a full fledged business. It was a side gig working at my kitchen table, working with a few clients who told a few other clients. I had two independent contractors who worked with me. And I was going a lot on like gut instinct at the time for what was working with Pinterest marketing. And he looked at my business and he said, Do you have Google Analytics set up to track the results for people? And I was like, "No, I just look at Pinterest Analytics, which at the time it was so terrible, right? it was It was not good at all. So he told me how to get Google read and analyze access to my clients' analytics. And it was like the world opened up to me because at the time I could drill down to see exactly which pins were driving the most traffic which landing page they were landing on. I could see the holistic picture of their site traffic. And that allowed me to match up with what they were thinking was important so that I could really pursue that. And then he told me to start tracking it. He asked me what were the most important metrics to me and then to create a Google spreadsheet of all those clients' data in one place, not just individual sheets, but one main sheet So to see if we could find common themes, because not only was I surfacing that I had the ability to track through Google Analytics, their individual stats, but now it opened up to me to where I could see multiple accounts and their trends. And he was really encouraging me to write a series of data finding posts about what I was seeing, which really opened up for me that teaching element side of my business that I didn't have before. Because what I was seeing in the Pinterest community at the time and what people were talking about wasn't really reflected in the data that I had. So things like, was there a follower correlation with the amount of traffic people were getting? Meaning, did more followers always equal more traffic? And then what about impressions? What about clicks? And what about saves? So how could I really analyze all this data to understand common themes or outliers? So if someone in a group is saying, this will work for me, and everybody in that group is like, oh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I would be like, don't try it because that's not your that's not your niche or that's, that's not going to work for you because you have all these other factors that when I go back and look at the data, those things don't line up. So it branched out into something completely different, right? Like I, it served the client, but it was starting to serve my teaching which I was really surprised about. So if you are tracking data, don't just think about tracking data for just one client. Think about it tracking data holistically for all of your clients, which I think is such a good idea. So now it came to, you know, we have the spreadsheets, have everything set up. Then it came to reporting to the client. So how was I going to communicate what the results were of what we're working and not working? and maybe even allow them to follow along in real time. So I had someone meet with me early on. I can't remember his name, and I feel so bad about that. He was so kind. And I think when you are first starting out and somebody reaches out to you for a potential meeting to connect, sometimes like you're going to have to do your own investigative work on this to see if they're trying to pitch you something or not. <clears throat> I will genuinely say this, this man was not. He was just being very kind to me, he was like, "Hey, I'm noticing your business is growing, and I'm noticing you're in this space of Pinterest, which not a lot of other people are, which is so cool. I would love to talk to you and maybe just share some tips that have worked um in my space." And he shared with me about Cyfe, which c y f e. We use that for the first six years, mm, yeah, five or six years of our Pinterest management, and it's a data tracking dashboard. It was so helpful to me in seeing what was driving the most traffic off of Pinterest. And it had the added benefit, I could add my team. So that allowed us to have our tracking systems fully set up. Now, here's a side note. We stopped using Cyphe because they had raised their prices. And we went to Google Data Studio, which we do still really, really love. um, And we had someone build a custom dashboard for us. I actually had them build at the time... A licensed agency dashboard. <sighs> then Google had to go change and leaning into G4, a nightmare. So, our team is actually, we are finishing creating a G4 dashboard because what we realized too is that some new people were coming on with us and they did not have universal analytics with Google Analytics, which made it difficult. So, our team has had to create a G4 dashboard, which is very limited, right? Like G4. If you don't know much about it with Google Analytics, I think it's terrible, but Google apparently is not asking me. So that being said, um, we've had some iterations of how we track over the years, but right now our main hub is Google Data Studio, and we can share that with our clients via PDF and all those kinds of things. Okay, so I had my tracking systems fully set up and we're ready to go. Now the big thing for me was how do I line those numbers and... With the goal that the client wanted, right? And here's where it got a little bit tricky. So, before they are a client, it is so important to ask them in the discovery call how they make money, because most of the time, return on investment aligns with money. Obviously, someone's not going to say, My ROI is how many saves I get. Like, it's just, you know, for Pinterest marketing, we never hear that. So you want to ask them the top three ways they make money and ask them if they can pinpoint um, really what they want their ROI to be on their investments in their business currently. So have a conversation about, do they know how much their investments are worth? And sometimes what people will say to you is, I really don't know yet because I've never ventured into... Pinterest or into Instagram or whatever your agency is centered on, so they can't actually tell you. Now, a red flag is when someone's like, okay, I've never done this before, but I would like 10,000 followers in six months. I would like 100,000 page views increased from zero in one year, and I'm only going to create content once a month, and I'm not really good at images, but I'm not willing to pay for that the alarm bells should go off in your brain like a fire truck, right? Because what this says is that somebody has really unrealistic expectations and they don't have their numbers tightened up as to what is important to them. And that right there is how you find your not-a-fit client. Because that is going to turn into a disastrous client working relationship. And it's okay for you to say, I don't know if this is a good fit for us at this time. Totally fine. Now, if a client comes to you and you meet with them, they say, I make money through ads, affiliates, and selling my own digital products. I've been investing in Instagram or Pinterest for X amount of time. I would like to get back my time. I know my time is worth more, so I would like you to do this with the hope of a 3 to 5% increase over this year, and I'm going to do the effort to create content. I can connect with you and let you know what our strongest affiliates are and give you the posts, something that feels very collaborative to get an ROI for them. That's great. Now, let's say somebody got through all of your checkpoints and... Their conversation around ROI sounded so beautifully, right? But in their current client. And all of a sudden, their expectations change. So, what has happened to me is that people will be in a Facebook group and they'll hear about somebody's strategy and they'll hear about what works for them. And then they'll come back to us and say, Okay, I wanna do this. I wanna go down this road. This resulted in this for this client, XYZ. And we say to them, That you're not in the same niche and you're not targeting the same keywords and we don't know if the same factors are at play so we can't actually guarantee that will work. And they say, but it worked for them, I want that to work for us. The best thing to do is to hop on a Zoom call. Do not carry on that conversation by email because what you can do is go back and forth and really explain to people how it will or will not work or what things you are willing to do versus what things you are not willing to do because here's this little thing that happens here, maybe I need to record a separate podcast on this, is that as an agency who specializes in one, maybe two particular things, most agencies are not broad, they're very narrow focused. The moment a client comes to you and says, this is how I want you to do your job, they then removed you from the expert seat, which means you are now back in the virtual assistant seat which that is no dis or disregard of virtual assistants at all. They have a great place and a role in your business, right? But their role is very different. When I hire a virtual assistant to do a particular job for me, I usually am telling them, this is the job I would love for you to do. These are the parameters, X, Y, Z. When I hire an agency, I am saying, I don't know what I'm doing And I don't want to figure out how to do it. And I don't want to tell you how to do it because you, my friend, are the expert. So then when a client comes to you and they basically remove you from that seat, that creates a very dicey client relationship. So you have some things that you can do with your Zoom call. But in the end, it is okay to fire a client if you feel like you are not on the same page. Yes. It will mean losing income, and that is really tough. But I will tell you time and time again, I would much rather give up working with that client over the next three months than lose my ever-loving mind over 75 emails. So I believe that it's not up to you to prove if the service is worth it to them. So when I hire somebody to do, let's see, um, I'm trying to think, I hired Tasha from the Launch Guild to help us launch our membership. It is not up to Tasha to prove to me that hiring a launch team is worth it. What her job is to show me what her launch team does, and then I, and then in turn, go, yeah, this is what I need. Right? It's up to the client to know why they are investing in something and what it is is going to help them reach their goal. And then from there, you can create a strategy. So then f- I hire Tasha as a launch agency, and then she figures out, okay what is your goals what are your systems and then you go from there to in order to re, to fulfill that goal of launching our membership so if you're in charge of ads it is definitely up to you to show the client what they're getting for their ad spend i don't want anyone to think i'm not saying the burden of proof Of work is not on us because it is for sure. We are responsible for showing the client how we are working to advance their business. And at some points, especially for us in Pinterest marketing, I can pinpoint it like I know exactly what's going to happen. Q2 is the worst on Pinterest. So people are going to get a rise from right now until mid February. Then it's going to go down. Most clients are going to freak out. They're going to think that it's not worth it anymore. They're going to jump ship. And then they're going to realize sometime in July or August that they need to jump back on the train of Pinterest and then start investing in it again. But they've lost this piece of Q2 and half of Q3 of really investing. It happens every year. So you might also know these rhythms in your business. It's important to tell clients about this so that they know what to expect during a low time. And sometimes there's no way to spin that numbers are tough, right? A lot of people, I I don't know a lot of people, so I'll rephrase that. I would say I've been asked over the years to acknowledge things like the downward trends in traffic. And I do acknowledge them. I acknowledge that they have gone down on Pinterest. They have gone down everywhere, literally for everybody. And I'm not going to try to sugarcoat any of that. But I am going to say that if you want to build a long-term business, this is part of it. And sometimes you have to say that to a client and they might not be okay with that. But treat your client how you want to be treated. So I want honesty, but I also want to know what somebody's doing, right? So that's very important as well. And if I know somebody's working for me and they're working hard to push through something, that's really important. Because then I know it's not like it's not working because they're not working. And sometimes that's what people are wondering, which leads to your communication. If you do not have a consistent touch point of communication with your clients, they are for sure going to ask you, so what are you doing? What are you working on? How is it working out? (laughs) So just know people are gonna ask you a lot of those things. So I'd love to hear for you on what's working. Um, what have you learned about? ROI questions from clients? What have you learned about tracking? How has that helped you get better at your job? I would love to hear from you on that. If there are any podcast topics you would love for me to cover, I know that people have emailed me via my email list before, which I send those out every Sunday, kateall.com slash subscribe. To get on that list, um, I would love to hear from you to see how I can give you feedback on what I've learned about being an agency owner and how to get better at doing this skill. There's a lot of conversation out there about courses and small products and all those kinds of things, but I just don't feel like there's always those voices of people talking about the real side of being a service provider and how great it is, right? There are a few people that I follow along that are talking about it, so I can really, really appreciate that. But I just want you to know, like, I'm in your corner. I love being a service provider. I love what it affords people, and I think it's a great way to serve other people's businesses. Alrighty, thanks so much for listening this week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the email, com slash subscribe.